0: Hello everyone, welcome to the second episode of the King Metzger podcast. Um, I thought we were not going to have a second episode, but instead we were able to because I have many friends, many car guys, and uh, we thought, why do we need to keep all our ramblings in a chat? Let's, Let's open up and give them a place where to live. Uh, in in a podcast with our with our voices so today I have one of my dearest friends calling us uh from Madrid uh Corrado hello Corrado hello Andrea hello everybody how,
1: how are you doing I'm doing well thank you uh, Very good. in Madrid uh starting the winter actually
0: is is Madrid winter like real winter, or is it like California winter?
1: No, it's a little like, bit one off on off so it's uh you you go straight from twenty five Celsius degrees to five ten in two days so sounds, that's uh, where we
0: are right now. sounds like the perfect weather to to get a cold uh well, thank you for joining us. I know that You have a pretty extensive garage of fun toys. Uh, I am going to start off the podcast asking you a typical question. Well, typical. This is just the second edition, but and I asked it in the first. uh, Sorry, the first episode, the second episode. I'll I'll ask you again. What was the last car that you drove, and why did you pick
1: that car? The last car that I drove was my. Uh, company car. So it's a BMW 3 Series Touring 330i. And I picked it because I was going to, to work in the office. So okay. Let me really rephrase.
0: Let, let me rephrase. What was the last fun car that you drove? <laughs>
1: ah, it's a, re- a real wheel drive. It's a two liter turbo engine. Come on, Andrea. It, it mm. also has a self locking differential. It's not oh. a dumb.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm sure it's fun, but. <laughs> I, I think you have something more fun in the garage there.
1: So the last fun car uh, that I drove was my uh, 996 GT3. Uh, it's a 996.2, uh, like yours, from 2003. Oh, I think I like that car. I,
0: and why? Hold on, because you have another car there in 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 Madrid, and why? Eden to pick the other mysterious car
1: I'm pretending I don't have another car here in Madrid but by the way uh, it's uh, yeah it's a 550 Maranello uh, but it's very difficult to use it because of uh, contamination pollution uh, uh, norms over here so we have uh, restrictions to use any car which is not Euro 4 which means post 2006 usually or at least 30-year-old, so it qualifies as a classic. Uh, anything which is outside from these two categories, you cannot use it in a radius of 40 kilometers from the city center.
0: Well, okay, then that is a good reason why I will never move to Madrid, I think. Um, because <laughs> having uh, these regulations decide what uh, you can drive or not is, is really a bummer. It's, so I, I'm assuming that the six GT3 uh, is Euro four, um, so it, it can be driven whenever thanks, you want.
1: Thanks to the US, actually. So because the ninety six point two GT three, they uh, created a, just a single version of the engine uh, worldwide, and uh, to make it compliant with all the restrictions. So the combination of the Californian emission regulation, that yes. is, and the European okay. ones of the time, etc., were was more or less. Uh, uh, in overlap with the Euroform requirements, even though it was three years before the Euroform requirements. So I've been very
0: lucky in that sense. Okay, very, very good. Be close to the microphone because I, I could hear your voice going, going a little bit away. Very cool, very cool. Now, um, can you tell me a little bit about the history of the 986, the story of your 986 GT3? Because from what I remember, I was the one that pushed you to get a 996 GT3, and you were looking at a 997 GT3. Um, tell me, do you regret getting the 996
1: versus the 997? I I do not regret that at all. Uh, You're not
0: saying it just because I am here, right? You're also saying no. when I'm not around.
1: No, then no, of course, of course, of okay. course. And I, I was I was interested in, in the 997 GT3, that's correct. But actually, I was very interested in the 996.1 GT3. So that's probably... I remember that. A a, a separate discussion and entire podcast could be done on that topic. Uh, 996.1 versus .2. But to answer your question, um, I think uh, I, I, I learned to appreciate more the 996 versus the 997. Uh, as the perfect, uh, let's say, transition between classic 911s and modern ones. The 997 starts to have a little bit of electronics, uh, driving aids. Uh, it's a little bit more insulated, etc. So it's a more modern car. It's an amazing car. Uh, but the 996 is... Hmm, I mean, I also have... Uh, a couple of other classic 9-11s and uh, I can feel a, a very close connection in terms of behavior with the older
0: cars. Interesting.
1: So you are not,
0: you don't, you don't regret the the move to 996
1: GT3? Uh, not at all. From an emotional standpoint, I would say. Uh, financially speaking, it's another, <laughs> it's another. <recession. laughs> oh,
0: it's all sunk cost. Don't think about it. Just sink it. Um, very you took, dangerous
1: concept, you, that one. You,
0: t- you, took your, uh, you took your 996 GT3 to, uh, to Germany, right? For a um, makeup, uh, how would you call it? Like, not plastic surgery because it didn't do anything. Uh, but <laughs> <More> they <motor. laughs> Right. T- tell us a-, a little bit about why did you feel the need that you needed to take it to the shop? What's the name of the shop and what they did to it? And overall, how was your experience?
1: Yeah, so it was not such a rational process, I would say. So uh, I joined f- the club. I've, I I figured, yeah, exactly. Uh, I figured out that my 96 GT3 uh, didn't have the original uh, exhaust after some time. So I, I knew I knew it was fitting. It was fitted with uh, uh cell catalytic, catalytic converters. Uh, at some point, uh, probably four or five years before the, um, before I purchased it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I didn't know and I didn't realize was that the mufflers were not original and I didn't like the sound at all. So at some point I was looking for an original exhaust to put it back on and I found out it was quite expensive. And uh, I found out that the overall cost was more or less similar to the cost of a full exhaust from one of the usual suspects, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, long story short, I started sending a couple of emails around to Car Graphic, to, to uh, FVD, uh, to to Mante Racing, and at the end of the day, I decided to just to open the car. Drive two thousand kilometers to bring it to Mante Racing. Today at the the Nurburgring.
0: Wonderful! I mean, what a better bonding uh, uh, drive, now with the car.
1: Yeah, yeah, especially because it was uh, like full time, uh, (laughs) (laughs) because uh, I was already in Italy for the summer with my family, so I could only negotiate a three-day grace period. And I had to do everything: flying to Madrid, taking the car, driving to to the Nurburgring, and flying back within three days. So, yes, it was a no stop bonding with the car. <laughs> don't we don't we all
0: need to need to manage that? And uh, I will never accept the fact that you drove to the Nurburgring to Mante, to get the work done, but not on the Nurburgring or in the Nurburgring, and you, uh, you never did a couple of laps.
1: Yeah, that's that's the part I usually do not uh, disclose the match because uh, I get some funny feedback and reaction from people, probably understandable. Um,
0: Absolutely, and I am <laughs> with all these people giving you funny looks um, and and aggressive feedback. So please do send all your feedback to Corrado for not was, doing that. There
1: was a reason. No, there, there was a reason. So uh, I wanted the car checked up by them. The car, the car wasn't good in good order, uh, but uh, I was planning to drive the car on the Nürburgring after the Mantei Racing treatment, which right. was, uh, which was uh, apart from installing their, their kit, the k 410 that's, that's how they call it, uh, they just made a general refresh of the car, of the underbody, the, the bushings. Uh, they rebuilt the, the dampers, etc., the brakes as well, So I said, okay, I'm going to drive the car in the ring after the the treatment. The problem was that uh, I dropped the car there beginning of August. Uh, uh, Let's say the expected completion date should have been mid-September. But for some reason, uh, probably was not their top priority. Uh, I I was not actually pushing them uh, either because... Uh, I wanted to manage the cash flow in a conservative way, let's say. So at the end of the day, it took a bit more to complete the car, and the car was ready in December, January, which is not the best time of the year to drive on the on the ring, I guess. Well,
0: I think I remember that there is a video of a red Porsche 996 Carrera 4 doing a lap on the snow at the normal ring. Um, so I think you could have done it, um, but yeah. uh, under, understandable, understandable. I mean, probably I mean, the, body, yeah. the
1: body shell. The body shell is the same as the Carrera Four, as we all know. But uh, the chassis, correct? Up, it bends up over there, right?
0: <laughs> correct, correct. Now, and did you find the car transform when you when you when you picked it up? Did it feel any different besides the sound? Obviously, because you changed the exhaust. Like, was it yeah. worth the, the, the sound, whole hassle?
1: I- yeah, the sound—the sound was much better, actually quieter, because the previous exhaust was very, very loud. Uh, Tell me about it. <laughs> and um, yeah, I—I I felt the difference immediately, uh, but I started processing and understanding the real difference after quite some time, after one thousand, two thousand kilometers. So um, it always happens the... that it always
0: happens that that you. When you get the car, it kind of feels the same, and then after some some miles, after going on our road that we know and that and where we took the car before the treatment, we really can tell like, okay, this this turn I was not supposed to take it five miles per hour faster, or <laughs> the car was not turning in as quickly as before, right?
1: I I, I can relate to that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's correct, and I also think that when you change too many things at once, uh, you need some time to recognize the effect of, of, of it change. And in my case, it was different alignment, uh, different, uh, uh, yeah, suspension setup in general. Brakes. Right. The the engine, the power delivery changed. So it changed, uh, not dramatically, I would say, but it's like. Uh, I mean the character of the 6 GT3 that we all know, so with the two or three bumps and peaks in terms of uh, torque delivery, mm-hmm. it's a little bit amplified, probably. Uh, so it's sort of a six GT3 plus, let's say. Yeah. But not a huge difference. So it's five ten percent difference in some points of the, of the power curve. Got it. Got it. Well, which
0: we is. Just... Kind of like the difference when there is cool air weather and and a hot summer day drive. Um, yep. Well, if today you were to replace your Dynastic GT3, what what value would you give to it? And and uh without looking on bring a trailer or cars and bids or collecting cars or eBay, I don't know all these used cars website what what value would you give
1: uh commercial value you'd say uh, uh
0: 90 to one hundred euro probably 90 to 100 and then emotional value like what can you what, what are you thinking yeah it could give you the same the same feelings of the nine hundred sixty that is now on the market
1: i think that's the tricky part with any car uh with any car that we buy, for uh, the way it drives and the emotions it transmits, because uh, it's completely non-correlated with the uh, with economic value. So, uh, if we look at the nine six GT3 as a, a road car, uh, yeah, very direct, lots of feedback, etc. Probably something on the side of Lotus or. Uh, mm. The side of uh, some, but you don't have the homologation practical. Specials.
0: But you wouldn't have the practical usage. Correct. That a 911 has, right? Correct.
1: Well, 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 well. practicality. In my 996 GT3 is is not huge. Uh, mine is a club sport, so I have the full roll cage and the fire extinguisher. So, uh, <laughs> and not, yeah, not if I get The it. most practical 911. Uh, but it's still, it's
0: easier. It's easier to get in and out than a Lotus. I mean at least
1: you, you got to give it that to Yeah, the... compared to to, to <laughs> a serious one to serious one Elise or Exige for sure yes and the, the later ones are, are a bit better
0: uh, a little bit more yeah. more accessible so you're thinking Lotus Lotus Exige or or
1: yeah if we look at the driving involvement etc probably something like that yes if we look okay. at uh, uh the same concept. Yeah, there are a couple of things like the Lamborghini Gallardo Super first series. Or okay. The, the Ferrari 360 Challenge Stradale or the Ferrari 430 Scuderia. Uh, but I mean, first, none of them is has a manual gearbox. So That's true. Either you need to build your own 360 Challenge Stradale Manuale is some good friend of man, mine has <laughs> done, more or less. Um, or uh, he, you just need to accept a different driving experience.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I, I drove the, the 430 Scuderia, and I think it's a great car, um, citing one of the ones that you were talking about, but it's just missing Something I think it's raw, I think it feels light, I, it's much faster than my 360. But, um, I think as an experience, uh, drive for a fun, sunny day, it's it's you, it's hard to replicate the manual. Maybe, maybe I'm just old, you know, maybe I am I'm just old style and I like those, but I uh, I agree with you, uh, it. Yeah. it it's hard to replace it completely, but yes, those would be probably in my, in my top list. The Super Superleggera, Gallardo, and and uh, well, Scuderia is, uh, I think it's twice. You can get two GT3s for, for that price. And yeah, even I... in between, there is a 997 GT3 RS in terms of value, which I'm thinking it wouldn't be. I don't think I would replace my 996 GT3 with a 997 GT3 RS. Um, but it's always tempting once you once you have the money ready to spend it.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's a little bit of a trick, isn't it? So you cannot replace a GT three with another GT three. <laughs> no, and Porsche um, Porsche knows it well. <laughs> yeah, there is no substitute, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, right? But uh, uh, now I think you know one car, uh, one car I've been considering many times uh, was the Exige V six. So the third yes. series of the Exige, and uh, I think uh, that could somehow get close. It's more extreme than the GT3 from some perspectives, but less extreme from others. I mean, the engine uh, is, uh, it sounds good, etc., but it's nowhere as uh, exotic as the Max Garen. Yeah, it's a Camry engine
0: with a supercharger. No offense to Exige owners, but yeah, it doesn't. You no, know, no, it's a big compliment special. to
1: the Camry, I guess, because it, it sounds
0: amazing. I'm pleasing Camry owners. I'm pleasing Camry owners. Listen, um, I wanted to, since you live in Europe, I wanted to get, and we're talking about car prices and values, I wanted to get your your point of view on how you see the values nowadays in. um in Europe for cars let's say between 1980 and 2000 i got to admit lately i'm been more of a late 90s early 2000 type of guy um and losing interest in the 80s cars at least in my within my my reach That's right, right. Uh, but uh, are you uh, how are you seeing the prices after after the covid bubble so called do you see them slowing down and do you see them staying the same uh what is your your point of view uh,
1: it's uh it's a complicated moment in the market in my opinion uh at least in Europe and for these this do, do you think it's a buyer's market or not yet uh, it, no not yet for this age of cars uh it is definitely a buyer's market for uh, 1950s and 60s classic cars, and it's starting to become a buyers market for 70s classic cars. But 80s to 2000, so you have a mix of two factors, which is, uh, in terms of demographics, it's the hot part of the market, theoretically speaking. Uh, but as with many other things during the COVID and after the COVID time, uh, there's been sort of a very strong acceleration, and we are now feeling a little bit the rebound. Uh, so, how to explain this better. Uh, I, rebound I attended, or slow down? I think, yeah, I mean, the effect is similar in terms of perception, but the dynamic is a little bit different, the origin. So, rebound, meaning uh, if you have been uh, eating up too much of your future pipeline in such a short time, at some point, you get, you know, a vacuum period, because uh, you have a, uh, I mean, a certain number of opportunities of deal opportunities on the market at any time, depending on the availability of, of money, uh, mm-hmm. and the, of the demand and the offer. Uh, I think we are now we probably stabilize. Uh, we started the stabilization, the market correction phase. Uh, to give you an example, last week I attended the uh, Auto Moto d'Epoca, which is a classic car uh, fair in Europe, one of the three largest ones. This is the Italian right. one, which now moved to Bologna. And uh, the segment of 80s-2000s was still very well represented, but I haven't, been, I haven't seen too much movement in terms of sales. Like okay.
0: well represented, it, it also means that they also went back home with the card that they brought that they intended to sell at the show. Yes,
1: many of them. Yes, um, probably some things will be negotiated after the the the, the fire. That is all. It, it has always happened. Uh, so, but the, yeah, the deal the tank. Yeah, the, the overall feeling was the values went really, really up. It was very difficult to find an interesting car below 30k euros, which is not that different from 30k dollars, I guess, in these days. Right. And, and uh, uh, the market was, I mean, the offer was mostly concentrated on the 5100, uh, which does not correspond with the mass of the market.
0: So it's cutting out a ton of prospective buyers or, or enthusiasts. It always has been a bit elitarian, I think the European market in terms of access to to cars, there's always been a hefty price tag that doesn't necessarily match the level of salary that um is is around in, in Europe. I, I feel, I mean, at least when I live there Almost fifteen yeah. years ago that's that's the way how it felt, but so you're seeing lots of offer high prices who knows if actually those prices were negotiated or not, but the fact is that most people are taking the cars back home, and inventory is not moving at least from what it looks like
1: yeah yeah that's that's the feeling or uh and in terms of prices there are two interesting dynamics so uh the dealers uh had the tendency to bring to the office, to the exposition to the exhibition sorry uh more important cars and there was one part so it was on average more expensive because they were bringing dino 246 gts instead of uh, uh 308s. okay but the other factor is uh, some cars where uh, I don't want to use the word overpriced, but I would say optimistically priced, because when you see you're uh, kind, you're very kind. Uh, no, but when you when you see an Alfa Romeo Spider 4 Series, which in the US you probably saw it as one of the last cars that Alfa Romeo exported in the US, I think the very last one was the 164. Uh, it uh, it used to I mean it used to be a car a fifty K, twenty K car, and they converted it into a 40 K car at the exhibition. Wow. That is a lot yep. of
0: money for a bad handling car. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you and know,
0: then... I have my opinions. Wow. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, uh, and then surprise, surprise, those things are not selling and are not moving. I wonder why. Um uh,
0: I wonder why. I never understood. There are some cars I think that they always I use them as as thermometer, not because I like them, but because they tell me how the market is going. I'll give you I'll give you a couple of examples. One is the that Alfa Romeo Spider, right? They're always ten fifteen thousand dollars. Sure, you have the one that costs twenty, you have the ones that cost five, but it has always stayed around ten fifteen range. The other one is the Mitsubishi. 3000 GT VR4, the one Ooh. with the turbo turbo engine, right? Yeah. that is a piece of crap of a car. Um, because mainly it's complicated and and the electronics was, are not
1: fantastic. I think Mitsubishi. I was so much have... in love. I was so much in love with that car yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah, I'm taking things like four wheel steering, between... four wheel drive, twin turbo, mm-hmm. everything.
0: Yeah. Yes, and four times uh, at the mechanic every month. So no. <laughs> uh thank god you grew up because it's it's bad but those cars have always been you've always found them also for oh, i would say around fifteen thousand dollars for something in good condition um, at least at the moment of sale and now they're in the 2022 but they're not moving right uh another car is the, uh the triumph uh spitfire uh those really require some masochist buyer and uh Um, I think these three models, the prices of these models have gone up and now they are starting to come back down because kind of the hype has has vanished. Um, Well, since we're talking about cars, since we're talking about values, European market, we were chatting about how $40,000 or euros is the new $20,000 or euros. Um, I think... A few years ago, for 20K, you would still be able to find a fun car, not the Alfa Romeo Spider, but a fun car. And now uh, those 20s have disappeared. Now it's, it's 40. That's the, that's the entry point. So are you, are you in agreement? And what are you looking uh, if you're looking? Um, what type of cars are you looking at that are in the 40K? Assuming that 20K, I'm sorry, Corrado, but I don't want to spend $20,000 for a 205 GTI. I, I, I can't. Uh, so
1: no. <laughs> It's a little bit too hefty for the, me. So, and the good, news, the good news is probably 20K is not enough anymore for a 205 uh, GTI. Uh, wonderful.
0: <laughs> okay, I, I didn't even want to know, but now the, the 205 doesn't exist anymore in my, in my universe.
1: Um, 40K, what are you looking at
0: today? What's so, on your target list?
1: I, I I completely agree with the with the expression. So forty k is definitely the new twenty k. And uh, actually, uh, a while ago, forty k was at least in Europe was like uh, no man's land a little bit because it was in between uh, a couple of segments. Or so that uh, cars were either overpriced or not interesting mm, for us at least for. For our tastes, now it's it's an interesting area again, but because everything got so much more expensive, (laughs) the Mazda MX-5, a new one, is for it's a 40k car, but in my mind, this is crazy 20k car. It's a it's a great which is a
0: great car. It's a great car, the uh, Mazda MX-5 or or Miata here in the US. Yeah, probably one of the few cars, right? That I would consider. But 40k, poof, it's yeah. a, a lot of dough.
1: So, uh, and uh, it's not easy to understand the exact origin of these, but it's every, everything is connected. Because if we look at the price of new cars, uh, today, in the 40k uh, range, in terms of fun cars, you only have, well, you have a couple of warm edges, not hot edges anymore, because a hot edge mm-hmm. now needs to have 400 horsepower, uh, four-wheel drive, sub four seconds, zero to 100 kilometers per hour, etc., etc. Uh, you get the Mazda MX-5, which is probably yeah. one of the three, four interesting cars on the market today, on sale today, for, for me, there's some new cars. Uh, you get the Toyota uh, GR86, and we are going to oh, get... Yes, oh, the Coupe? Two, where... Yes, yeah. a new one. Uh, the new one uh, with the 2.4 liter engine, and then you get the. Of, uh, does, the Yaris,
0: does the Yaris? the GR? How much is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it
1: started. It started at 37, now it's 46. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but see? yes that's the old 37
0: yeah. is the, the new 46 is the old 37 in Yata. Yeah, exactly. Oh, over over a
1: two year, over a two year and a half period. Uh, I so, guess
0: they, they sell. I guess they sell. So good for them. I guess there is demand for those cars. Yeah,
1: they sell. They sell. They do sell. Then you open Auto Scout and you found uh, you find the 400.
0: Mm.
1: <laughs> With less than so 1,000 guess... kilometers. So, uh, but yes, uh, so in the 40K, in terms of new cars, there's not a lot of choice if you like to drive. Uh, and if okay. you like to drive in a certain way, in a classic way, old school way, etc okay if you want basically if you want to have a manual gearbox these are the choices that's it more or less then this means that everything uh, all the alternatives on in terms of modern classics went up in value because you either spend 40k on a Yaris GR or with the same amount of money you look at uh, an Impresa uh, or or a Mitsubishi Lancer evolution etc and that's the closest alternative. And if but, those closest alternatives would be, uh, were like the super, especially the STIs, they used to be a 20, 25K two years ago. Now they are increasing very quickly towards and beyond the 40K mark. So,
0: why, why, why? I'm going to throw you a curveball. Then, why aren't you looking at nine sixes? Or nine nine seven? Are they not in the forty k range?
1: Nine nine seven? They are not anymore. I would say. Uh, Nine nine six? Yes, they are in the forty k range. But. But you already
0: have a nine nine six, so. Personally,
1: yes, I think. uh, uh, Do I think it's still a good deal to get a nine nine six for forty k? Well, I think the nine nine six is the best deal you could get out of a nine eleven right now, uh, of any yeah uh, that that uh, i said. yeah sorry
0: no i agree no. i fully agree and i think they are uh, a ton of value that engine is always a tricky one so you need to get them inspected really well uh, i have a friend who recently got a 99 i believe or a 2000 with a 3.4 and the engine cable through a rod the engine through a rod um, on him after two months that he had the car. So yeah. I have to say, as much as I love the 996s, that M96 engine is not the strongest um, ever. It's, it's not a Metzger. Um, but let me, let me push you against the wall. And since you talked about these two alternatives, STI or, or WRX and Lancer EVO, you have to pick one for 40k. Which one do you go with?
1: <laughs> it's a tough question. Uh, uh, I don't have the answer because actually I'm trying to find the answer to that question in this day. Have you ever driven me. one? Uh, I have never driven uh, an Evo. Okay. Uh, I have driven uh, a couple of impressas, but uh, the GC8 generation okay so the yeah. very early ones yeah exactly and uh, uh i think uh, i think i think i need to do my own uh i need to <laughs> drive the cars i need to drive the cars basically uh, yeah. and i need to find i need to find a more a, a cheaper way to drive a car uh, than buying it than buying it exactly <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't know if you have that service, uh, Turo, it's called here in the U.S., where you can rent someone's car. But uh, if anybody is listening from Madrid, uh, get in touch with Corrado, and uh, if you own a an SDI or an Evo, have him uh, take him for a drive so that he can make up his mind.
1: <laughs> yeah, So I can. Uh, thanks a lot, Andrea, for uh, <laughs> for for the askies for picking yeah. up. So, um because you, sorry right sorry
0: corrado sorry corrado but the usual methodology is i think i may like this car let's <laughs> buy the car oh i don't like the car let's sell the car is that right yeah okay uh, perfect well that's it
1: you don't need to dwell into it it's not hard. not not <laughs> the best use of your capital i guess but yes uh <laughs> in terms <laughs> of uh, my perception right now on the cars on the two cars so i understand i understand that
0: uh
1: they they have a, quite a different character and uh uh so i need to find out which one suits uh best my my taste in that sense uh i understand that the evo is uh, much more let's say Hyperactive in terms of handling, uh, reactive as well, over oversteering, etc. And the Subaru is more uh, planted, conservative understeering. So probably you need to drive it a little bit more with uh, with the weight transfer if we want the car to, to yeah. move around.
0: yet it's always so hard um, when you talk about older cars to find um, to do an objective evaluation because. It all depends on the actual car that you're driving. So let's go back to the example of the new cars. You go into a dealer, they let you drive an MX-5, or a Miata, and then you go into another dealer and you drive a GR86, both brand new, and you can tell which one you like the best. But yep. once you start to go into the used cars, oof, I mean, you don't know if the tires, they're old. He hasn't done an alignment in a long time. One is most likely modified. Maybe the other one is not. Uh, sway bars. A sway bar can make or break the handling mm. of a car. So yeah. it's hard um, to really get that feeling. But, yes, I, I I think in the interest of supporting your family, I also uh, agree with you that it's probably better to drive them before you just buy one. <laughs>
1: But you, you said uh, you said something that we tend to to forget too many times. So actually, uh, one fun fact: uh, the 996 GT3, the first mark view, the first point view that I drove was a car which was for sale over here, and uh-huh. I I didn't like the car. Uh, I, it's true. I found the gas response. To be very laggy, slow. Okay. And uh, and I convinced myself that I could only have a point one with, because of the cable throttle. You, you see. Cable, and you I see. The pedal. Uh, and then I talked to this guy on Instagram yes. called. Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I know him. He's he's amazing. He is he has strong opinions. And he was a US. Yeah. Well, yes, yes, moment.
1: yeah. <laughs> so and uh, and he told me that uh, his 996 GT3 point two obviously because it's based in the US was uh I mean one of the, one of the cars with the sharpest throttle response that he has oh ever experienced. So I said okay, this Immediate. should be something wrong. There should be something wrong in the in the car that I that I drove. So yeah. But uh, did you drive
0: your current nine nine six gt three before buying it?
1: No, this was a good way to bypass the problem. So uh, I simply didn't. Okay, so let, and... me, let, me, let me summarize.
0: So <laughs> you test drove a car and you didn't like it. Then you yeah. talked to some random person on Instagram who told you, no, actually my car has a great throttle response. And so you went on to buy, sight unseen, another example of the same car that you didn't like. Ah, this is fantastic. Dear friends, I mean, you um, could put
1: it that way. Yes. Uh, I, <laughs> but, but, okay. Don't oh, don't, no, no, don't oh, dwell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For the for the sake of, uh, you know, reputation, just a couple of things I want to add. Uh, it was beginning of 2021, so I I had the chance to drive a car here in, in my in my city but I couldn't travel to a uh, different location in Europe to test drive another car because of COVID, COVID travel restrictions. So COVID made you do it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Okay, It's okay. the only car I've ever bought remotely in my life. And uh, in that and moment, that... it was the most expensive car that I had ever <laughs> I never... All I've thanks ever to bought. me.
0: All thanks to me. I feel, uh, I feel some responsibility here. Um, yeah, but okay. I got I got a
1: guy I got a guy to check it out in the garage as well, and uh, um, they only spoke French, and uh, my French is worse than my English, so you can understand uh, how bad it is. So uh, basically, uh, I, you could have ended up. I understood with a, if with the a, was okay, more or less.
0: So, you could have ended up with a Citroen DS uh, instead of a GT3, but it's all good. It's all good. You've been lucky. Uh well thank you Corrado uh, for the chat today. I have one last question on how to close the this podcast, which is if money was no object object, so forget the forty thousand dollars or euros mm-hmm. they were talking about, um which new car is interesting? interesting you which new car kind of tickled your wallet imaginary large wallet uh and sorry you cannot say a new bugatti and then i sell it and i buy these other 17 cars um it it has to be a genuine interest in in a new car um the two guests of the previous episode told me gt3 and they don't own a gt d three so they were, they were pretty clear uh, so no doubt the new g t three What about you
1: uh, How much time do we have <laughs> <laughs> You
0: have approximately
1: three minutes but new car, new car, you said okay new car has to be new okay so they okay much, and much you
0: don't history. need to prostitute yourself to a dealer to get it you can you can walk in and
1: buy it so it cannot be a Porsche, it cannot be. Okay. No, no, so you, you you
0: can no, no. Imagine that you you don't have to. No. Nah, okay. If pretend you want a new GT3 RS, you could get it. Pretend that I, got, I could actually get it.
1: So I uh, I think um, the Alpine won, uh, A1 one A110,
0: which is out sunk. of all the cars, interesting. Okay. Is uh, the the race version or the is something obscure no, 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 that no, we base, don't have
1: here? The, the base like, version, yeah. I mean the cheapest, simplest version they have. Uh, why? Uh, so I'm not an hypercar guy. I don't think I am an hypercar guy, and probably will never find out. Find out, I guess. Okay. Uh, and uh, uh, I like uh, I like cars that I could enjoy on the road and cars that are alive uh, at any speed. So it could either be... I, I mean, I already mentioned the Mazda mx 5 uh, but if I want something a little bit more special, also in terms of behavior, uh, I really like the way that the, the Alpine drives.
0: So, uh, it's light. I, I, hold on, hold on, because I... I tend to agree with you. I'm all about like, I want something light and that I can push to a hundred percent on public roads, et etc. et cetera. But sometimes I think that I want that because I haven't driven the new cars. So if you gave me a 812, a Ferrari 812, I think I may probably like it quite a little bit. Um... Yeah, I think that falls into the hypercar, right? I, do you think that's why we like older or or simpler and lighter cars because we haven't really <laughs> had the chance to taste these mega supercars like the two ninety six uh, GTB from Ferrari or uh the g t three r s or a mclaren Artura? i don't even know the names 570, 620, something like that do you, do you agree do you
1: think so or uh, i think i think we can uh, we cannot accept and admit the benefit of, of doubt uh <laughs> at least uh i am, i'm very curious about the m c twenty uh if we look at that level of cars uh i'm not that excited about the sound uh, of the 90 degrees V6 engine, uh, in general, not, not just for that car, but it's the only one which is making okay. me a bit curious. And the only one that I've been playing with on the com- online configurator. Uh,
0: okay. I right was now. able to move you from a 110 to a Maserati MC 20, which by the way, I drove a
1: big, a big uh, Alpine uh, 110, by the way. Uh, it's Basically. a, it's, it's Basically. a wider, faster version of the same concert in my in my mind at least that's a good choice that's a good choice well thank you so much
0: corrado um uh, we will continue our ramblings via chat and uh, I'm hoping that i'll I'll host you once again for for the next episode maybe you will own an alpine or or a Subaru or a mitsubishi Evo or an m c twenty that would be that would be fun. That'll be fine. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Thank, Thank you, you very Colorado. much, Andrea. Ciao, Ciao. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Ciao. Bye.